Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast, episode 10, recording this evening, our midweek episode. We have a big game coming up this weekend. TCU getting ready to take on the West Virginia Mountaineers in Big 12 play. It's always a good matchup when the Frogs and the Mountaineers get together. A blackout game coming up this weekend at Amon G. Carter Stadium, 7 p.m. Saturday night. TCU rolling out the all-black uniforms for the first time this year. It's going to be a good one. Both teams coming in at 3-1, and one, also 1-0 one and oh in the conference. TCU, of course, picking up a win over Houston, and West Virginia taking down Texas Tech last weekend to open up conference play. We will preview that matchup, tell you all everything you need to know for this contest between the Horn Frogs and the Mountaineers. And we'll also take a quick look at what's coming up in the Big 12 this weekend and discuss the TCU basketball news that dropped earlier this week with the schedules. The Big 12 conference schedules have been released for both the men's and the women's programs. We will give our thoughts about that. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. Anthony, I had a really nice day today out at uh, a golf regional. It was great weather. Had a chance to just chill out, shoot some pictures, do a couple interviews. The Rochelle program here, they had a couple of kids qualify out of the regional. So, a uh, positive news day today. How's things hanging down there in Texas? Oh yeah, man. It's a uh, it was a very busy work week out here. So I, I've I've been on my grind uh, with the day job, but it's all good. And and yeah, look, looking. I'm already a little bit of the uh, the jealous girlfriend meme, looking over my shoulder at the basketball schedule, kind of thinking about, okay, yeah, football. That's that's cool. I'm, I'm excited for this basketball stuff too. I think the Big Twelve is going to be crazy exciting. So ready to get into all of that. And and yeah, this West Virginia game should be a good one. So looking forward to it tonight. Of course, this episode is brought to y'all by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Go online to charliehustle.com. Get your TCU swag. Get your Big 12 Conference swag. Use the promo code FROGSOWAR for 15% off all TCU items. Or if you want to support any of the other programs in the Big 12, use the promo code 101215. That's promo code TEN1215 for 15% off all non-sale items. Our partnership with Onnit Athlete, the trading cards, the TCU Horn Frog trading cards are launching next week. Pre-sales are open right now. If you don't know what's going on with Onnit Athlete, it's really exciting. Uh, partnering with about 40 different colleges and universities this fall, including TCU. Check out our Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War for more information. Uh, pre-sales are open right now. We have a referral link that's been posted to our social media and our website at frogsofwar.com. October 2nd is when the packs are officially launching, $12.99 each, 33% of all revenue going to NIL. So if you want to support the Horn Frogs and TCU Athletics, be sure to check that out. Also, the Patreon is live via the 1012 network if y'all want to support the two of us here on the Frogs Up podcast or any of the other podcasts involved with the 1012 network. They all do fantastic work. Please consider donating to the Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash 1012 network. That's patreon.com forward slash T-E-N 12 network. All right. TCU West Virginia. Feels like every time these two teams play, it's a battle. There have been a few games that have resulted in game-winning field goals. I think back to the Jaden Oberchrome game winner in Morgantown a lot. The Josh Boyce two-point conversion reception. To, to give TCU a come from behind win there. Also in Morgantown, I think that was all the way back in 2012, 
TCU's first year in the Big 12. I remember I was a freshman at TCU and I was coming back maybe from the blue or somewhere and I was watching that game in, in the lobby and I got really psyched when uh, Boykin rolled out and found Josh Boyce for that two-pointer. Um, it's, it's been a, a really good matchup between these two teams. It feels like every time they play, it's a one-possession game or maybe a little bit more than that. Last season, TCU came out on top 41-31. to 31. Uh, Max Duggan throwing a touchdown pass at the very end of that game to put the icing on the cake there. But uh, Anthony, this is a West Virginia team that is playing some pretty good football right now. Three and one on the season, one and zero in the Big Twelve, picking up a win over Texas Tech, and had previously beaten Pittsburgh seventeen to six in that backyard brawl contest. So uh, this is a bit of a different group. No JT Daniels this year. Uh, no Bryce Ford Wheaton, but. Still some really talented players on the squad. So overall, what have you just taken away from what you've seen from the Mountaineers so far this year? Yeah, I think that this team has definitely overachieved already from what are, I think, the national low expectations for for them. I mean, I think they were picked very last in the Big 12 in the preseason poll, um, So, or at least among the, the lowest teams in the conference. And so... Already with a conference win over a team picked in the top five in the conference um, is is a big achievement. Winning that rivalry game is an achievement, and uh, yeah, they've they've done it with big time defense, a running game, and very very little passing game. So it's it's been interesting. I mean, yeah, taking on Penn State in that season opener is a, a really tough game, and they did get beat down a little bit there. But Penn State is a top ten team, and is uh, going to be a national player uh, throughout the season. So I don't think there's too much shame in, in dropping that one. Um, and, and yeah, I think just the surprise of them being in contention at all in these games, I, I think there were a lot of people who thought Neil Brown had a chance to not even make it to this TCU game as head coach. I think that there was it was very much on the table that they would be one in three sitting at this spot rather than three and one. So um, an overachieving group to this point um, and, and, and a, a very dangerous team in the way that they're able to, to grind out these games. I mean, very low scoring games, uh, very few possessions and, and shutting down some of these offenses. I mean, obviously last week with Texas tech, Tyler show gets hurt and you know, that's, that's unfortunate, but obviously Texas Tech is really big on on Baron Morton as well. So they to be able to to stop that offense from scoring a whole bunch and to come away with that win, um, you have to you have to be impressed with with what they've done defensively. And I think it'll cause TCU some problems on Saturday. Yeah, we have a Frogs of War roundtable that's going to be coming out here in the next day or so about this West Virginia contest. And one of the questions that was posed to each of us was, where do we put West Virginia right now in the the Big 12 power rankings, I guess you'd say. And I think right now, West Virginia, is, as you said, Anthony, has really outperformed expectations. I think coming in, we would expect West Virginia to be at the bottom of the conference at this point in the season. And that hasn't been the case. I think right now, they look better than Oklahoma State. I think they look better than Houston. I think they look better than Cincinnati. I, I put them really in the middle middle portion of the conference right now and they may not have the skill talent that necessarily sticks out but they they play really physical that's one thing 
that I've come to expect about West Virginia is they're going to play really physical, especially in the trenches. And for, for a TCU team that kind of struggled a little bit on the line of scrimmage against SMU last weekend, it's going to be a even tougher test against West Virginia this weekend. So um, both teams obviously looking to move to two and zero in the conference and stay near the top of those conference standings. So looking at this West Virginia offense, um, kind of unknown at the quarterback spot, Garrett green did not play last weekend. He's the starting quarterback, but he's banged up with an injury there. The backup quarterback came in and helped lead that team to a win again, 20 to 13 at home against Texas tech. Uh, Nico Martial, I think is, is, I'm sorry if I butchered that name, but um, a young quarterback, relatively unproven player, but CJ Donaldson is an established back and is a very good player. I think is going to be the, the biggest player for TCU to stop. And looking at that SMU contest last weekend, we know that the Mustangs ran the ball really well in the first half. They had over 100 rushing yards in the first half. TCU did make the necessary adjustments. They were able to slow down that rushing offense in the second half. But um, West Virginia, when they can get going downhill with C.J. Donaldson and some of those other backs, um, they grind out the game clock. And, and I think part of the battle is going to be getting the TCU offense on the field. Because I think if West Virginia is able to – methodically move the ball down the field with some of these timely possessions uh they'd be winning the battle really in two ways by wearing down the TCU defense but also keeping Chandler Morris and that TCU offense that's going to play with tempo and rack up a lot of yards they'd be keeping that offense off the field and that's half the battle so Anthony what are you looking for from this West Virginia offense and and what's going to be the biggest key for TCU to uh, hold that offense to a minimum this weekend. Yeah, it is. The the team is missing that star power outside of Donaldson. I mean, I think Donaldson is definitely a guy who can can take over a game and they have a, a couple of backs behind them and the QB run game they've used to some pretty good effect too. But um, yeah, the the wide receivers, there's, there's no Caden Prather. He's at Maryland now, I think. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton's in the NFL. So um, yeah, like you said, those skill positions at least don't have the known entities, those kind of star names that you can point to and say, all right, there's the battle that you got to go win. The battle will be at the line of scrimmage, stopping CJ Donaldson. And I, I think it will be a challenge for TCU, particularly if Johnny Hodges misses again, um, as he was out with the injury last week against SMU. Uh, you know, that that puts a lot of pressure on Shad Banks and Jamoy Hodge to to step up and and kind of backfill that role to uh, get in there and make those stops, those tackles for loss and, and controlling the line of scrimmage, maintaining discipline there, too, because, yeah, I, I don't I don't know a whole lot about Nico Martial um, or really Garrett Green either, but the their stats on the season they've been pretty effective running the ball when uh when it's come down to that and that's been the way they've been able to to really grind through some of these games is they they go and pick up first downs they go and get big runs so um maintaining that discipline against this offense and, and stopping the line of scrimmage i mean it'll be a big test for the the 335 stack of Joe Gillespie too because you know i think i think it's 
better against the run than people think, or than you may think considering there's only three down linemen. Um, but you know, we haven't, we haven't seen a team like this at all this season for TCU. Um, the, the stat I pulled for that round table that'll go up later this week, uh, TCU's opponents this season have averaged 40 pass attempts per game. West Virginia comes into this game averaging 20 pass attempts per game. Uh, part of that is there's just far fewer plays per game because they're running the ball and, and it's grinding it out. But that's just not their game. They're not throwing the ball all over the field, and, and they're unique in that way. You know, it's not quite like playing against an Air Force or Army or something like that, but it is it is a very different mindset that you have to go into the game knowing that uh, you you really just have to keep that physicality for for the full length of the the regulation to be able to come away with the win and and slow and get that offense off the field and and a lot of that goes and I know we'll get into the offense here but it it goes to the offense the offense has to be successful in its tempo the TCU offense if you're going to be running that tempo and you're off the field in 20 seconds if you're going 3 and out it's going to be things can roll out of hurry or at least West Virginia will be able to burn so much clock that they will remain in this game longer than maybe they should if uh, if that TCU offense kind of, yeah, you're running tempo, you want to run a whole lot of plays, but if you're not picking up first downs, you're not able to. So um, I think if if we're moving on to the offense, that that's I think that's where a key will be to taking West Virginia out of its game is you got to be successful in in your tempo if that's going to be the way that tcu intends to play on saturday it has to work or or things could fall apart in a hurry on the injury front you mentioned johnny hodges i know sonny dyke said last week that he's week to week with that hand injury so it sounds like something that may sort of linger throughout most of the season hopefully he will be back on the field i know he was out there against houston playing with that ball club on his hand he wasn't playing last weekend against SMU, but Shad Banks did do a, a nice job of filling in there. And uh, those linebackers are going to have a, a heavy task with stopping that run offense for West Virginia. And then for the TCU offense, Jack Besh and Dylan Wright did not play against SMU. Sonny Dyke said earlier this week that it sounds like they are trying to slowly work those guys back into the fold. So maybe they get a little bit of action this weekend, but it sounds like we might get a heavy dose of Jalen Robinson and Jared Wiley and a a couple other guys this weekend for that passing offense, which has, has looked really good um, over these last few weeks. Chandler Morris is playing with a lot of confidence. We've talked about that several times on this podcast, but uh, Anthony, as you said, with this tempo, TCU's got to finish drives and this is not really a new point. Um, this is going to be a really physical West Virginia defense. And uh, on the other side of it, West Virginia is going to be looking to wear you out with those lengthy offensive drives on their end. So uh, for TCU, I'd really like to see the offense turn the corner. I know it's been written about in the media this week as well, that uh, TCU is putting up a lot of yards and they're moving the football, but they're just not cashing in on scoring opportunities. So it's something that it seems like the coaches are aware of it. The players are aware of it. And we'll see if this is the weekend where the offense finally turns the corner. But 
Anthony, looking at this West Virginia defense, this is a, a unit that held Pittsburgh to only six points and forced several turnovers in that matchup and then came right back last weekend, held Texas Tech, which is a program that's capable of putting up a lot of points, to only 13. And granted, Tyler Shaw did suffer a, an injury in that game. It sounds like it's a fractured fibula and he's going to have to have surgery, likely be out for the year. That's a terrible break for the Red Raiders. But Baron Morton came in and you know maybe he was just rusty or maybe it was something the West Virginia defense was doing, but he, he was like one of seven passing to, to come out of the gate. And he, he's a little bit of a dual threat quarterback as well, but he, he didn't play all that well in relief of, of Tyler Shaw and outside of Taj Brooks, who was kind of going Greg Jennings, Superman mode for Texas tech in this game. He had almost 30 carries. He had well over a hundred yards. You know, he was getting the ball on five or six consecutive carries there at the end of the game. It ultimately wasn't enough to, to beat West Virginia. So I think it's a little encouraging that the Red Raiders did have some success running the ball. And TCU, as we know, has done a really good job of that. Over 200 rushing yards against Colorado, over 200 against Houston, and just under 200 against SMU. So, Anthony, what are going to be the keys to exploiting this this West Virginia defense? You know, what do they do well, and how does TCU sort of crack that code? Yeah, and... I think it's a, it's interesting to see where TCU will fall in the scale of things here. I I find it hard to imagine Chandler Morris having as bad a game as Phil Dracovic did against West Virginia, where he threw three interceptions and had something like 80 yards passing. Um, and then, yeah, Baron Morton had 37 pass attempts and only completed 13 of them. Uh, for like uh, 130 something yards it, it, it was those two who are you know I, I think not elite quarterbacks but are capable quarterbacks have shown to be capable and and West Virginia really shut them down so I would like to think that Chandler Morris is not on that side of things I, I think that this offense will scheme things up and give him every opportunity to succeed where drew Aller for Penn state in the first week of the season threw three touchdown passes threw for a ton of yards. They also ran the ball pretty efficiently too. uh, their, their two star running backs there for Penn state. Um, you know, I don't know that Amani Bailey and Trey Sanders are to the level of Katron Allen and Nick Singleton for Penn state, but it's, it's a very strong one, two punch, possibility there with Bailey having really gone supernova here uh, taken off so I, I think if it will be it will most likely be that run game that makes it happen um, because that's that's really what we've seen work against this West Virginia offense the last few weeks though yeah those those two teams prolific scoring potential out of those two teams to put up what 19 17 something like that total points between them is is uh the West Virginia offense has certainly our defense has certainly impressed and and TC will have its challenge there I, I think I think we got to see that similar to how TCU attacked the the SMU defense where those tight ends are going to get opportunities and then you know hopefully uh, 
I'd like to see Chandler Morris take some more shots as well. I think that, um, you know, Warren Thompson might have some opportunities and we keep talking about Savion. Let's, let's see Savion make it happen here. Um, let's go attack this, this defense and put up some points uh, to be able to not allow West Virginia to get into that grinded out game. Because if, if you're not scoring and you let them hang around, the clock's just going to keep on ticking and, and it'll get late early. So uh, that's, I, I guess that's my analysis on the offense score points, please. <laughs> Savion has been unfortunately kind of a, a ghost for TCU's offense this season. And maybe that's just a product of transitioning from Garrett Riley to Kendall Bryles and running more RPO stuff. And it, it's an offense that doesn't, rely as much on taking those deep shots, which is where Savion Williams kind of excels with his six five frame and uh winning jump balls, taking advantage of matchups against smaller defenders. Um hopefully we can see Savion get it going in some fashion this weekend because I think against SMU he only had one touch. He didn't have a target. Uh his one touch was a reverse that went for zero yards. So Hopefully he can find his role in this offense. And speaking of players to watch, uh, that was another question posed to all of us in our roundtable. Who are going to be the the offensive, defensive MVPs, the biggest players to watch? For me, I'm going to be looking at Shad Banks um, filling in possibly again for Johnny Hodges. Even if he's not starting, he's probably going to get a fair amount of snaps. And he's going to be one of those linebackers that's tasked with filling those gaps and containing this West Virginia run offense. So I'm going to be looking for Shad Banks, hopefully to have a big game. And then on the offensive side, I picked Jalen Robinson because I think Jalen Robinson, TCU's offense, as far as the receivers are concerned, I feel like you don't really have that alpha yet. We thought maybe coming into the season, it might be Savion Williams. It hasn't been the case, but I feel like Jalen Robinson has separated himself a little bit over these last few weeks as the player that's going to draw uh, a majority of the target share. And I think he's made some big plays. He had the third and 14 reception in the SMU game that went for 16 yards and a first down. He's a versatile player. You can use him on the outside. You can use him in a, a run play or a jet toss behind the line of scrimmage. I think you can line him up in the slot. He's got a lot of speed. I think he's going to continue to take a step forward and get more comfortable in his first year with the program and, and have a solid game this weekend. So uh, Anthony, who are going to be your biggest difference makers for, for TCU who needs to step up and play well to help the frogs get this win and move to four and one on the season. Yeah. I haven't written up my round table answers yet. So I'm, I'm a little bit on the fly here, but I, I think defensively I'm looking up front, probably Dom Williams in the middle there to, take up space and cause havoc, get some tackles for loss um, and force that West Virginia run game and CJ Donaldson to try to bounce things outside and then let Johnny Hodges or Jamoy Hodge or whomever is out there um, go clean up. So I, I think that's where that's where I'm looking is somebody up front to eat up space and and Dominic Williams is probably that guy to to make things happen there up front to make the run game difficult for West Virginia on Saturday because if 
if they're getting if they're getting push up front and finding space to run, um, they'll be they'll be able to take advantage of TCU. So so Dom Williams eating up space up front is is probably uh, a big key there. Offensively, uh, you know I think it's probably the offensive line. I don't know that I'm I'm calling out one particular player, but I think the offensive line here. Um, is going to need to continue to step up and, and protect Chandler and, uh, you know, get out there in space when when that's necessary and then making space for the run game. I think, you know, last season, one thing we talked about was each week it felt like TCU was leveling up on its competition like a video game towards a boss when it came to uh, dual threat running capable quarterbacks. I think this season it's doing that a little bit with defenses. I think the the defenses keep getting a little bit better each week. Um, obviously Chandler had the two interceptions in week one, but you know, I'm of the mind that Houston and SMU actually have better defenses uh, talent wise than Colorado's. And I think this West Virginia defense is another level up from that. Its defensive front is 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 strong and capable. And so I think the offensive line holding up to that and letting the offense actually work is going to be key. And and again, we've talked about it now for weeks, the penalties. We just can't have you know, this is a home game. You're in your home environment. There's no excuses to have procedure penalties or offsides penalties at all. Um, a delay of game penalties, uh, and, and then you know, holding penalties, stuff like that, that happens. But they can be real drive killers. So I, I think we're putting it on the offensive line to keep things clean and let this offense work. And and maybe the overall execution is better. And you find your way into the end zone more often. Yeah, TC right now is averaging what seems to be about six or seven penalties a game. And mm-hmm. a lot of these early games this season have been at home. And that's just that's just not going to cut it against good football teams, you know, whether it's Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, or West Virginia, Iowa State, BYU. So TC's got to continue to clean that up. And as we get into our predictions here, I'm going to be fairly conservative with mine. I feel like Throughout most of my predictions, SMU, Houston, Colorado, I've been uh, very lopsided with TCU putting up a lot of points and the defense not giving up a lot of points. But I'm going to be more conservative with this prediction just because knowing the history of this particular matchup and how many close games these two teams have played, West Virginia is just one of those teams where it doesn't seem to matter what their record is or what kind of players they got out there. Much like Kansas, they always play TCU close. And so I'm going to go with a uh, fairly conservative prediction here. TCU, of course, coming out with a win. Uh, 27 to 14 is my prediction. I believe the spread is 11 points, which seems pretty fair uh, coming in. Maybe a little generous by a couple points given that both teams are three and one and one and oh in the conference. But um, I think TCU wins pretty comfortably at home. Uh, West Virginia's defense will put up a little more resistance than TCU has faced this year, but 27 to 14 is my final score prediction here. TCU moving to four and one on the season. 
Yeah, I similarly have a a 13 point win. I've got TCU winning 30 to 17. I think that um yeah, the spread on this one has been pretty weird. I think it it opened some places at like 13 and a half, quickly dove way down to about 9 9 and a half at a lot of places and then uh now it's settling in around 11, 12, 12 and a half. So I think I think we're kind of right on where the market is on this one thinking that TCU is is just under a, a two touchdown favorite here and you know which i i agree i'm a little bit surprised that it's that the number has settled like that because i think that's just residual people think west virginia is terrible um mm-hmm. i mean TCU was only a 6 6 and a half point favorite over SMU last week and i think west virginia is a somewhat significantly better uh, in in the key positions in you know where it matters up front on on both sides so you know I, I, that's a little bit curious maybe it's a little respect to TCU maybe it's a little marketplace disrespect to West Virginia but um, I do think TCU is held to a, a relatively low point total here um, but as well I, I don't know barring some really bad interceptions for touchdowns or or fumble scoop and scores or special teams things. I don't know that this West Virginia offense is going to be able to score that many points against the TCU defense. Um, you know, I, I don't, they're, they're not going to sling it all over the field. Now Donaldson is absolutely capable of putting up, you know, 150 yards and three touchdowns on TCU. That's, that mm-hmm. is definitely within the scope of outcomes here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with, with the frogs by 13 and, uh, you know, before we move off of this, you know, I, I'll say on the, these games have been exciting in the past, you know, I, I kind of opened with the Neil Brown was on the hot seat, but he was pretty dominant against TCU against Gary Patterson. Correct. Um, you know, he, he was three and O against Gary Patterson. So uh, this West Virginia had a pretty significant winning streak going into last season against the Horn Frogs, and you know TCU comes away with that victory that I, I think ended up ten points on the scoreboard, but only because of a a fourth down. Uh, you know, you can just probably pick up a first down and kneel out the play, and you, you win by three. But instead, you toss a, a touchdown to Savion Williams there to kind of rub the score up a little bit, but. Um, yeah, I think it, it, these teams have had some fun battles. They've also had some really unfun battles. I think it was the 2019 game, end of the season. TCU mm-hmm. might have needed a win to get to a bowl game, and yep. TCU played just terrible. It was like kind of rainy and misty in Fort Worth. And um, yeah, it, West Virginia has come to Fort Worth and played really well in the past too. Yep. I mean, you know, there's, there's the classic Trevon Boykin runs around and gives Dana Holgerson a high five on the sideline game. Um, but really outside of that, West Virginia has done a good job coming into Amon G Carter stadium and, and putting up a really strong performance. So um, yeah, I have, I have every expectation that the frogs will be in for a fight on Saturday night and, and it should be a fun one, but uh, let's see a horn frog victory for sure. And be sure to wear all black to the Carter this weekend. Protect the Carter. If you're in the student section, you're going to be rocking those black 
t-shirts that ADJD was showing off on Twitter earlier sweet. today. Yeah. So wear, wear your black. It's going to be a, a great atmosphere, a night game at Eamon G. Carter, 7 p.m. kickoff, TCU, West Virginia. One of multiple Big 12 games that are being played this weekend, we have Friday night action between Cincinnati and BYU and Provo, and then a slate of games on Saturday, multiple 2.30 kickoffs. So the uh, national TV network showing the Big 12 a little bit of love this weekend. We got Kansas and Texas, two 4-0 teams, both ranked in the top 25 Uh, kicking off at 2.30 on ABC. You've got Houston and Texas Tech at 2.30 on FS2, which Anthony uh, kindly noted before our (laughs) recording that did not know FS2 existed. I also forgot about FS2, but if you are absolutely bored and need something to do, you got Houston and Texas Tech on FS2. And then FS1, Baylor and UCF there. Uh, UCF off to a pretty good start this year, looking to move to 4-1. And Baylor looking to bounce back after a pretty, pretty disastrous home loss against Texas. And then night game action uh, in Norman is Oklahoma, uh, Iowa State. Sooners were played pretty tough at Cincinnati last weekend, but came out with a twenty to six win to stay unbeaten on the season. So right now, only three teams in the Big Twelve are currently undefeated. We've got Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. I'm really excited for that Kansas Texas game. Kansas could really make a statement this weekend as a a contender for the Big 12 championship. I know Kansas last year got off to a really hot start as well, but then TCU wins that game. Jalen Daniels gets injured, and then the season kind of gets all squirrely for the Jayhawks after that. So, uh, Anthony, any thoughts on the Big 12 slate this weekend? Uh, What teams are you looking to make some noise this weekend? I'm excited for that that late night Friday night game, uh, Cincinnati and Provo. I think um, it's it's fun to have Big Twelve football kind of all throughout the day. You know, I, I know that that's one of the things Brett Yormark kind of harped on is spreading the conference from uh, across time zones. So yeah, th- I think it's like nine fifteen p.m. on Friday night. So. You get to stay up late, watch some Big 12 football, and one of those teams will get their first uh, Big 12 conference win. So I, I think there's a lot of excitement there. In in our Pick'em uh, post that went up this week for the staff picks, I was the only one to select Cincinnati. So I think the Bearcats go in there and, and put up a fight in Provo and, and, uh, and come away with the win. But I think that's a really exciting game. And then, yeah, I'm, I, I guess – Maybe I'm just feeling a little bit defeatist about what Texas is going to do and is doing this season that I'm not terribly excited about the Kansas-Texas game. I think Texas probably handles business relatively easily. You know, Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal, they can make some magic happen, but uh, I don't know. I'm not – this – wagon that that texas is on i think it's i think it's rolling so i'm I'm worried about that one there and and uh yeah oklahoma is gonna roll easy the texas tech houston game i think is kind of just interesting I, houston has been quite bad but texas tech has also been quite bad despite high expectations so you know one of them gets back on the right track here but i think Tech really has to turn that season around. I mean, I think they're, they got to feel like so disappointed with where things stand. Um, And then 
Baylor travel, traveling to UCF in the, the rematch of the, the old Fiesta Bowl um, where Blake Bortles took care of, of the Bears uh, a few years ago. Uh, man, Baylor. It's it's been looking rough. I think I think Baylor has a better chance of winning this game than we've all given them credit for. I think Baylor still has some dudes and still has a roster that can can make things happen. But but UCF has looked really good and and I've been impressed with them. So I I, I think UCF takes it. I, it's a fun slate. Um, you know, with Kansas State and Oklahoma State on bye this week get to get to sit back and watch the carnage for uh, they do. So I, I think that um, we, are we going to leave this week with any thoughts different about where the big 12 stands? I don't think so. I think Oklahoma rolls pretty easily. The only one that really has a chance to shake things up is whether if Kansas takes care of Texas, which would be a big shakeup nationally, a big shakeup to the conference, certainly, but Outside of that, I, I don't think we're moving the needle too much on where things stand in the in the conference rankings. At Texas Tech in Houston this weekend is kind of the Oklahoma State Iowa State uh, game this week. I know I joked last week that I I, I don't know who would want to watch that game between the Cowboys and the Cyclones last week, but it turned out to be really entertaining, and mm-hmm. Iowa State had its best offensive performance in quite some time. So maybe this Texas tech Houston game will be more entertaining than, than I'll give those two teams credit for. And then Oklahoma state, I I think if any team needs a bye week right now, it's probably Oklahoma state to get things settled and figure out what direction you're going to go in for the remainder of the season, because it's, it's been really rough. I mean, I I don't think anybody would have, predicted Oklahoma State to be at the bottom of the Big 12, but, I mean, you could argue that they've been the worst team in the conference so far this year, and that's just not – it's not normal to see Oklahoma State struggle the way that it has this year and, and even last season. I mean, this is a team that was a play away from making it deep into the postseason not too long ago, so um, – it remains to be seen what's going to be happening in Stillwater, whether or not Mike Gundy's seat is going to be warming up. But we will see what happens this weekend in the Big 12. And speaking of the Big 12, we will transition here from football into some basketball news. I know we are still a ways away from basketball, but the Big 12 did release its conference schedules for both the men's and women's programs in the conference. Both of these TCU teams on the men's side and the women's side have made some serious roster changes. I mean, starting with the women's program, you have Mark Campbell coming in from Sacramento state. He's taking over for Reagan Peebly, who was the head coach at TCU for almost a decade. Uh, really renowned coach in recruiting circles, had a lot of experience at the university of Oregon as an assistant prior to uh, coaching at Sacramento state and now TCU some some big not big time players coming in from power five programs. You have Sedona Prince coming in from Oregon, the six seven center. You have uh, Madison Connor coming in from Arizona, Una Jovanovic coming in from Cal State Fullerton, uh, multiple other new faces as well. And then on the men's side, I know we've talked about the frogs hitting the transfer portal pretty hard uh, going back to the winter with guys like Jameer Nelson coming in from Delaware and. 
Avery Anderson from Oklahoma State, uh, Isam Mustafa from Coastal Carolina, uh, Ernest Uday, who I think has a chance to be a, a big breakout performer for for TCU coming in from Kansas late in the in the transfer portal cycle, or there were some reports where maybe he was going to go to Duke, and that just never seemed to materialize. And then all of a sudden he commits to TCU, and the Frogs get a, a huge addition to the roster, not to mention Jace Posey coming in, a four-star freshman, and then Isaiah Manning, a really talented three-star player. So, um, Anthony, looking at these schedules, you know, starting with the the men, uh, what, what are the exciting matchups here, and w- which games are you looking most forward to once we get into the winter? Yeah, man, the, the, the basketball schedule in the Big 12, both men's and women's, is just it's a gauntlet. It's elite. Every game is, is terrific. So I'm, I'm pumped for all of them. I think they're, it's, it's going to be must watch television every night. So, I mean, TCU, the men's, they start off conference play against Kansas in Lawrence. So, and I think that Kansas will probably be preseason number one, maybe number two or three, definitely a preseason top five. They will probably be a top five-ish team when they when that game happens it's the big game on cbs uh, on a saturday afternoon it is um that is a a huge huge game that uh you know tcu went up there and handled the jayhawks in allen Fieldhouse a year ago you know it's a very very difficult place to play but excited Mm. to see what what this tcu roster can go do against that Kansas team. Uh, and then you've got a week later, you host Houston, um, you know, a number one seed last year at sweet 16 team that has been consistently one of the best teams in college basketball. Um, certainly recent history, long-term program history. So that is, man, the Schallmeyer is going to be absolutely rocking on Saturday night on January 13th for that Houston game. You get the home and home with Baylor, including the game in Schallmeyer being a, a big Monday on ESPN feature game. Um, I think that's that's super exciting. You get a back-to-back home slate at the uh, at the January-February turn where you get Texas Tech and then Texas coming in to Schallmeyer. Um, man, it's just... It's hard to look, think that oh, this feels so close, but it, it's it's coming up soon. I'm I'm excited for it. I think getting through this non-conference schedule, you know, TCU's non-conference schedule, I think, is pretty light this year, and maybe it's it's been light for the last few years. Um, TCU gets Georgetown, Clemson, Arizona State. Not a whole lot of huge names in the non-conference or huge like preseason non-conference tournaments to participate in. But once you hit that conference schedule, every single night is just an absolute banger in the conference. Yeah. I don't mind TCU having a lighter non-conference this year when you consider the, the teams that the frogs are going to be playing in conference. And I think the big 12 last year was arguably the best, if not the best basketball conference in the country and now you're adding Houston on top of that in addition to the other new schools coming in. And and it's only going to get better from here because, you know, in the near future, we're going to have Arizona coming in, uh, among others. So Big 12 basketball is going to be highly competitive this year. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So uh, if you all want any more details on the schedule releases, you can check out our website at frogsofwar.com. We have articles posted about 
uh, both of the schedule releases. And you could always go to gofrogs.com as well and check out the full schedules. Anthony, any final thoughts here on, on anything that we've covered this evening before we go ahead and transition out of here? Yeah, just for on the women's schedule, I mean, I, the Big 12, I think that I'm excited to see what this new era of TCU women's basketball is going to be. I think there's a big opportunity for, you know, considering how incredible every single program is at TCU across the board, women's basketball has maybe been the one that's lagged behind a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's been a lot of resources put into women's basketball, a lot of support from the university administration, from the athletic department. And that program has every opportunity to move forward into the new Big 12 as a, a competitive contending team. And I'm excited to see that journey uh, take place. And And on the schedule, Texas will be an excellent team again, and Baylor will be an excellent team again. And you get you get those games. I don't think TCU gets Baylor at home in the women's schedule. I'm trying to look through it now. Maybe not, but does get Texas in Schallmeyer. So those are those are big time women's basketball games. And we saw last year how kind of the NCAA tournament went in the women's side where it, it became one of the stories of of sports, of really of a, a nationwide story watching the end of how that season played out. And I think it'll be exciting for TCU to be a real part of that, I think, this season. I think I think there's plenty to be excited about for TCU women's basketball and big time matchups that um folks should definitely get out to Shawmire to check out some games. Yeah, I definitely agree about reflecting on last year and all the success that all of these TCU programs had. And you could argue that it was the most successful 365 days in the history of TCU sports with all of the conference uh, championships and national championship appearances from all these programs. And women's basketball was kind of an afterthought. And it was unfortunate really what happened with the program post-COVID. I think the program pre-COVID was in a position to have a lot of success. And I believe TCU was that 2020 team. Yeah. That 2020 team was definitely going to be in the NCAA tournament. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that team had a winning record and was positioned to, to make it into the tournament and possibly break off some kind of a run, but then the pandemic happened and it just seemed like the program never really recovered from that. And, and Reagan Peebly departed with a, a career winning record and brought a lot to the women's program throughout her time at TCU. But Mark Campbell coming in, I think his track record speaks for itself. His roots go back to Oregon. I know a couple of the assistants that he has brought in also have roots that go back to Oregon. And his ability to deliver results right away has shown with some of these players that he has brought over from Oregon and Arizona and Agnes Emma Nopu from Stanford he he's brought in, I believe, five transfer portal players with a lot of talent at different positions. So um really excited to see if this program can turn it around. I think with this talent that's coming in, if all of these players, much like the men's team, with, with all of these new players coming in, if they can gel together and get it figured out during the early portion of the season with some of those lighter non-conference games, 
both of these programs have a chance to be really successful this year. So that that'll be uh in the somewhat distant future we have football obviously right now but it's always exciting to give a little bit of a preview into what's going to be coming up with basketball so with all of that we will go ahead and sign off for the evening again this was our midweek episode we appreciate all of you listening in and continuing to support us on the frogs up tc sports podcast as well as uh frogs of war continue to follow us at frogsofwar.com be sure to also follow us on facebook and twitter at Frogs of War. Again, Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. Use your promo code Frogs of War or 101215. Uh, on an athlete, get on those TCU football trading cards that are coming out October 2nd. Pre sales are available. Check out our socials for more information about that. And consider con- uh, donating to the Patreon if you want to support the 1012 Network or the two of us here on Frogs Up. Go to patreon.com forward slash 1012 network. That'll do it for this evening. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North, and we will sign off with a frogs up. Frogs up.